When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at MyBookie. Guys, we have college football this weekend, as in like two days from now this weekend, which means now is the time. If you have not already done so, now is the time to take advantage of our exclusive promo deal with MyBookie. Just go to MyBookie.ag, use the promo code UGA if you're a brand new user, and you will get a 50% deposit bonus on whatever that first deposit is, up to $1,000. It's an incredible deal. They're giving you free money, and it's not going to be around forever. So make sure, guys, don't wait any longer. Do it right now and get yourselves ready and set up to bet on college football this weekend. And man, that is music to my ears. That is glorious college football this weekend. So again, mybookie.ag, use that promo code UGA. But as all of you loyal listeners know, I am your host, Tyler. And back with me today from the brink of death is my longtime co-host, Curtis. Curtis, I got to ask you, man, we don't need, I guess, I guess we don't need all the details because we probably don't want to hear all the details, but I know some of our listeners were, were worried and curious, like what was going on. So I got to ask you, man, what was it like to stare death right in the face and live to tell about? Because just from just from texting back and forth with you, it sounded like you literally were on death's doorstep. Um, it, it's it's been pretty rough, I'll say. Uh, you know, you have the time of your life, the wedding and honeymoon, and you think, all right, time to get back into the real world. And then life has other other uh, ideas for you. So it's been a, uh, you know, it, it was. It felt touch and go being a little, I'll be a little dramatic because <laughs> it, it was is. tough, but, uh, you know, it's glad to, uh, be back among the, the living. When did it actually hit you? Were you on the honeymoon when it hit you? Um, so the first time I, uh, yeah, I, it was probably when we got to the airport in the Dominican Republic was probably the first time I started feeling like, okay, maybe something's not right. So on the flight home, it was not good. No, uh, four Dude, I can't hours, even imagine. I can't imagine being on a plane and yeah, feeling four that hours way. Of children I can't even. kicking me from behind, not feeling Jeez. well. It was, it, it was yeah, not a good dude. time to be around me. What's the flight from the Dominican? Like three um, hours? It was about a four-hour flight to Dallas. So you flew from the Dominican to Dallas and then back to back to home? Yeah, then back to home. Yeah, that was the route. I think Ooh. that most of the flights must come from the Dallas area because everyone just seemed to go there and yeah, all the yeah, flights yeah. went in. Oh, dude, I'm so sorry, man. But are you are you 100% yet or like 80? But you're you're good enough to be on, right? 
Yeah, I'm 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 alive, so I think to me that you're alive. Which that, hey, that's what counts. You're alive. You're here. So wait, when did you get back? You got back last like a week ago. Sunday the 13th. We got back around midnight that night. And when did you actually start feeling better? Um, Wednesday. The it was a good solid week where you were like on death's doorstep. Yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, it took a good. Almost 10 days to get back. So I, I think people – I told everyone that you were not feeling well, and I think people thought I was kind of exaggerating. Like I was trying to say, man, he like, he, can, he cannot be on the show because he's just not well right now. Yeah, like, it's one of those recording. where you're like, oh, he's sick. He can still record. No, that was not the case. That wasn't like I have a little cough, you know. Like no. No, it was like I, I can't actually sit up and actually like function as a human being. So I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're here. Really, I mean, I'm just more than anything glad that you are healthy and alive. That's, that's step one. And then, of course, we're glad to have you back. This is the first time, right, since the wedding? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I did one right before it. All right, man. Well, definitely glad to have you back. Before we get rolling, I do just want to put this out there for everybody, kind of a little PSA. We are trying out some new video conferencing software. So a little inside baseball, We've for a while we were using this thing called Uber Conference, then Dialpad, but then when Uber Conference changed hands and became Dialpad, it became really cumbersome to use, and they were charging us like insane fees, and it's like, that's just too much. So we were using Zoom, but then the Zoom subscription we were using, which was from a place of business, that ran out because we don't really need it in this non-COVID world. I guess COVID's still around, but we're not in like lockdown anymore, so people aren't using Zoom as much. So that ran out. It did not get renewed. So we were left kind of scrambling, figuring out, okay, well, what are we going to do when we're in different places in different states and we are trying to record remotely? So we explored, we looked around, we tried a couple different options and we think we've settled on one, but this is the first time that we're using it for an actual episode. We've tested it. We've done all of our due diligence. We practiced with it. We've done a, a, quite a few test runs and it seems like it's working fine on our end, but this is the first time where we're going to do like a full on episode on this software. So I'm just putting that out there to let you know that if it sounds a little different today or if it's spotty here and there that's why and i promise you we will get that taken care of very quickly but this is the first time we're using it we're we're definitely gonna listen back you know charlie does our quality control we're gonna check all that stuff and if something's wrong hopefully nothing's wrong and probably nothing will be wrong because our testing went just fine but we also didn't do full-on episodes so it should be 100% totally fine, but just in the off chance that there might be a glitch here or there, that's why, and I promise you, we will get that fixed. We'll get that rectified immediately. So just just put that out. And if anything does sound like not normal, we do sincerely apologize for that. But again, we will absolutely get that fixed if that's the case, but I just, I don't think that'll be the case. Fingers crossed. But it is time for some football talk, and we got a lot to talk about, so let's go ahead and dive right into it, man. So, all right, Curtis, this is... Uh... This is tough, man. we got to address this right off the top. We're going to get to the season preview in just a few minutes. But first, since we last hit the record button back on Tuesday, Kirby Smart delivered some really tough news that projected starting running back Branson Robinson is going to miss the entirety of the 2023 football season. That is just a tough blow, Curtis. We, we know that Branson had already missed all of fall camp up to this point, coming back from a toe injury that he suffered Late in the spring, like he was good to go most of spring practice. He was really one of our few like healthy running backs all spring long. And then right at the tail end of spring, hurts his toe, missed most of the summers, fighting his way back, was close, was on the precipice of making a return. It actually been going through individual drills, did a few things during the scrimmage on Saturday. So I'm thinking, all right, man, Branson's on the road to recovery. I'm feeling good about this. Let's go. But then we hear yesterday that Branson has suffered a season-ending Patella rupture, which is just, dude, that's 
awful. I mean, that is a tough injury. So he's out. Kendall Milton is still down, Curtis, with the hamstring injury. I mean, I just don't even know right now with Kendall Milton. I, I'm praying for the best, but I just don't know, man. Jason Edwards himself is in a knee brace, nursing MCL, an MCL injury. Seems like it's kind of a minor MCL thing, but still an injury that he is kind of dealing with right now on his own right. So, Curtis, how much does this injury to Branson and Robinson hurt our chances to pull off the three-peat that we are all gunning for this season? Um, It hurts. To say that, you know, the three peats off is a little um That's crazy. Yeah, it's a little crazy. Um, to me, it's just gonna take a lot more creativity from Mike Bobo and all the all the offensive coaches, um, realistically. But it is a big it is a it's it hurts. Um, I think especially at the beginning. I, well, I want to say the beginning of the season, but we don't even know when Branson was gonna be back. Um I mean he, he should be back next year, but he's not coming back this year. Not with a ruptured patella. That's not how well no, I meant like because you know, we knew he was starting drills again. We didn't even know when he was going to be back this year. Oh yeah, originally. yeah, exactly. We we thought he would probably miss the first couple of weeks at least. So I mean, that's the interesting thing. Um, it just feels like there's a lot of uncertainty, which is the scary part. Because right now, I think Branson would have been one of our better backs out of the backfield, even catching the ball. Um, which is what's going to hurt. But it does open the door for some other guys. I think it's going to really help Dejan if he can get back healthy. He's the he to me, him and Roderick are gonna be the two that benefit the most from this. Yeah, I think that Dejan, I mean, Dejan, if he's healthy, he's gonna start, I would imagine, but he, he's not 100% healthy right now, Curtis. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we're a week and a half out from the first game, and honestly, well, he doesn't I'll, have to. Play I'll the say game. this it, it, I'm glad that we're no longer, you know, everyone gives us crap about the schedule, and I'm like, yeah, I wish we were going to Oklahoma week two. Well, now I'm yep, glad we don't because we've got, you know, yeah, realistically, actually, two, right, yeah, yeah, we've got, you know, you talk about season starts in a week and a half, but it's realistically almost a month until you play someone that matters. Yeah, the season really starts. Was it no, our uh, September 16th? Is that when we play? I know it's week three. Is it the 16th? Yeah, the 16th against. Yeah, South 16th. Carolina. That's when the season that's really start. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, that's the that's the one good thing is now that we have some time because I think Andrew Paul really needs. You know, he's not going to be what he was before before the injury but it'll give him some ability to kind of get some uh confidence well, he back. might be we just i i don't think you can expect it right maybe maybe he'll surprise us all yeah i mean we've seen that. it we've seen it before with other people um and you know you just you'd never know but the fact that he's got a couple weeks to work himself back in just to get reps without you know everything be on the line is going to be the best thing for our team. Well, I think just across the board, really the fact that we can kind of try to work some things out and try to come up with some ideas without it being midweek where you're kind of already past in install. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to go back to something you mentioned, Curse. I, I like the word you use uncertainty running back is a position where we have always had a, a pretty strong degree of certainty coming to a season. Like who is going to be the guy Like we've always had, this group of backs, you know, we, we usually have had an understudy when the, when the top guys move on, then, you know, the next guy moves in, right? Whether it's, you know, Nick Chubb coming in after Todd Gurley and Keith Marshall, him and Sony Michelle, and you got DeAndre Swift coming in, right? The Brian Harry and Elijah Holyfield, so on and so forth, right? Like we, we've had this, this line of running backs, you know, we could make the argument to be running back you. I think there's other programs that can make that argument as well. But you know, over the past 10, 15 years, we've had about as good of a run of running backs as any team in the country. So this is a year where you're right, like uncertainty is the right word. We're going into the season, not really sure for the first time that, I mean, that I can really remember. Like, Curtis, when's the last time you can remember we went into a season and we're talking about the running back position with like throwing our hands up saying, I don't know. Like, when was the last time? 
Um, it's felt like the last couple of years or last year. I mean, yeah, we outside we had Kenny Mack, and then after that, it was like Kendall if he's healthy and like. Well, we Asian. knew was like we knew that the next guys up were Kendall and Kenny. Now, we, what we yeah, didn't know but is, like, outside how good that, they I mean, to be? It, well, Kendall went down early, and I mean, we didn't know we could rely on Asian realistically. It always been you know the true, blowout that's true. running back. That's true. Um, that's true. So we've started getting thinner and thinner the last couple of years with Dell, and this well, is kind of uh, we're, we're kind of stuck. Now with you know we've talked about the bad recruit maybe not bad recruiting some misses or yeah I think bad recruiting is a little strong but certainly missed on some top targets a couple years in a row yeah and and we're kind of we were already feeling that going into the year and I think it only exacerbates it now yeah I mean you miss I mean I know Trey Sanders hasn't really turned out to be what he was projected to be in high school I mean, he was a top ten guy in high school but that, an injury had a lot to do with that but you miss out on him miss out on Justice Haynes last year. I mean, we, we've missed on some some of our top targets. I mean, I know that, you know, you look at the Zach Evans thing. We landed Zach Evans, but that was just like not a misevaluation from a talent standpoint, a misevaluation maybe from a character standpoint or maybe a risk that we didn't need to take. Because when you when you try to take Zach Evans, well, then you basically are turning away Tank Bigsby and Jameer Gibbs, two guys who turned out to be incredibly good college players, actually had much better college careers than Zach Evans ended up having. So that was another just – I guess you call that a miss, right, at that point? Uh, I mean, so, to me, that's a miss. Yeah, that's a miss. Like, that's – Almost unacceptable, like with, with, with how that went down. But it is exactly. what it is. I mean, I mean getting like, we got James Cook and Zamir White, but you know Zamir was like was the top running back in the country when he came out. But you know he suffers back to back ACL injuries, and Zamir was really really good for us. But was Zamir ever what we thought he would be coming out of high school? I would no. I would I mean, argue probably not, right? Even the last two years, honestly, James was the better back. Oh yeah, and I but you gotta give Dell credit. I mean, Dell did land James Cook. He landed Zamir White, and those were two top running backs. I mean, goes into Florida and in Miami area to get James Cook. That's a big get. But so he's landed some good players, but there's been some high profile misses too. And I think you're kind of you're seeing that in the depth right now. Like we have some good backs, but do we like going back to the idea of uncertainty? Do we have a surefire answer as like the number one back this season, Curse? Like, do we actually have a guy like that? No. I mean, it, game changer wise, no. I mean, yes, hopefully we do, but. I don't know. I mean, Kirby even says it's going to be running back by committee like it has been around here. And it's like, yeah, it probably will be. Um, but who do you like? So well, let me ask you this before we go to like who – what do you think the pecking order is going to be? I know there's a lot of people freaking out about, oh, my God, like our running back situation is is crazy. We're so incredibly thin there. But let me ask you this, Chris. Are we really incredibly thin at running back? Um, I think we are, and I know people are looking at what we have at the, now, but – Time in time, we see it time after time where when you start getting into the season where those little, you know, little cuts and scrapes and bruises start adding up. And that's when, you know, you're really going to start seeing the lack of depth or not. Maybe lack is not the right word, but the maybe not. We, we don't have the, the number the of like I'll just say we're back. just not as deep. I think we're not. Yeah, I think well, yeah, we're, yeah not we're not deep. as deep. I think that's probably fair i i would probably agree with that but i mean i you go back and look at years past curtis i mean really uh, barring crazy injuries and in, you're right injuries do happen to running back it is a contact sport and that is one of those violent positions to play because you were just taking shots so you need to have especially in the sec you need to have a number of backs that are ready to play and contribute so i definitely agree there i recognize that but you go back i mean look at 2017 like we played three backs really you know we, we it was nick sony and deandre swift you know, and you go, it's, then it's DeAndre Swift and Brian Harrion, really. So, I mean, there have been plenty of years where – and I mean, go back to 2016, it was Nick and Sony. You know, that's what it was. So there's plenty of years of all things go how you hope they go from a health standpoint 
where you're really only playing two or three backs. I mean, last year, Curtis, it was for the majority of the season. I know Branson had a big game against Auburn, but as the season went on, like his carries almost disappeared. It was really Kenny McIntosh and Dejan Edwards. Then Kendall Milton comes back into the fold a little bit. It's getting maybe, what, five or six carries-ish a game? So it's really like if if we are in a situation where we have the guys healthy and we're not suffering like crazy injuries, we're really playing two and a half running backs a year. Is I mean, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right, especially once you get into the season and into the, you know, thick things of the SEC play, that's kind of what we saw. Right. So that um, if we stay healthy, do we have two and a half running backs that you feel confident in going into this season? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, again, I go back to if they're healthy, if they're healthy, but if they're healthy, I mean, Dajan Edwards is a guy that we know, we know who Dajan is. Like, is he an elite, like number one NFL, future NFL back? No, that's not what Dajan Edwards is, but the dude produces. As we kept saying all last year, all the man does is producing his opportunities. He might not look the part, but the guy plays hard. He plays, he plays, to, he plays to win. He, he does, he does things that helps you win football games. And he's the kind of guy you want on your team. So I'm very confident Dajan, if healthy, and hopefully he'll get to that point. Uh, I'm very high on Andrew Paul and his potential. I, I do have questions about what version of Andrew Paul we will get this year. I mean, the most recent example we have of, of a guy coming off a, a, a tough ACL, or actually it was an ACL injury with Nick Chubb, uh, but a tough injury to his knee was, you know, come, Nick coming back from that injury in 2015, come back in 2016. And Nick was really good in 2016, but he wasn't the same Nick that we saw before that and, you know, following that in 2017. So it's probably reasonable to, to expect that Andrew Paul is not going to be what he was last year when he was making a name for himself in fall camp and trying to earn some carries. And I think he was aligned to do that prior to the ACL tear, but I still think he's going to be a good quality back for us. Uh, I think the wild card here um, might be a guy like Cash Jones, Curtis. Like, what do you what do you think Cash Jones can actually bring to this offense? Can this be a guy that gets legitimate carries, not just like as, as a third down back, but can he get like legitimate carries in standard down situations? If you asked me last year, I would have said no, but, you know, after seeing the emergence of Dajan and the fact that, you know, he's they found ways to use him and he's been productive – um, it's hard to discount it. Yeah, I would say it's certainly possible. I, I mean, I can't discount it at all. Like, all right, he is a he's a smaller guy for sure. But you're right, Dacian's a smaller guy too. And you you we haven't seen much of Cash Jones, so it's really hard for us to project that. We've seen this guy in spring games, and what I've seen from his spring games very impressive. I think that I mean this guy was working with the number one offense during G Day. Now. That's G-Day, right? Some guys are banged up, and we, we needed some guys to step up and play with the number one offense. But he was going against what I believe, as we'll get to in a little bit, one of the best defenses in the country this year. It's going to be one of the best defenses in the country. How good remains to be seen, but it'll certainly be among the best defenses in the country with what we have returning. And this guy was making plays against that defense, Curtis. I mean, this guy can absolutely play. Now, is he going to consistently be able to hold up between the tackles, like running counter and power? Uh, I, I do have some questions about that, but I'm not going to seriously say he cannot do it because you know, we've seen Dejan Edwards do it. So, I mean, I, I I don't know if it's a situation you want to be in where you're going to season say, hey, you know, Cash Jones, you have to carry the ball, you know, maybe 10, 15 times a game, which I don't know if he will. But if we have a couple injuries, he might have to. So I don't know if that's a situation you want to be in. But this is a guy, Curtis, that we took as a preferred walk on. This is another area that I don't think Kirby Smart and the staff get enough credit for. The way that we – attack the preferred walk-ons and like bring guys in this program that are not scholarship players but convince them to come play when they have scholarships to other programs and kind of just have these guys sitting here ready to contribute i, I think that's one of the undertold stories of our program because like even if they don't necessarily make the impact on the field what they do for us during practice is so so important so i, I gotta give kirby and the staff credit for that but cash jones is a guy that i think absolutely can end up making a, an impact for us i think another guy curse that we don't really know what to expect is a true freshman but Roger Robinson is basically 
the one running back that's a scholarship player in our team coming into the season who has not dealt with any sort of injury from spring practice through fall camp, knock on wood. He's got a ton of reps. And that's the one thing, Curtis, like with all the injuries that we've had with Branson missing time late in the spring, missing pretty much all of fall camp with Kendall missing all that time, Dejan missing some time in the spring, guys like Andrew Paul, and Roger Robinson, especially going back to the spring practice as an early enrollee, they've gotten a ton of reps. So we don't exactly know what to expect from them because we haven't really seen them at this level. But what are your expectations for Roger Robinson this year? Chris, how good can he be for us? Um, I think he can be a weapon, especially later in the game with how big and strong we are. Um, you're going to see – I think he's one of these guys that's going to really benefit as a bruiser, the um, – the more we go in the games now, I'm kind of interested to see how we do use him, though, um, in third down situations and even early passing situations. I think that's um, I think he benefits the most in the run game. But in the pass game, it's a little scary because, as we know, it's hard to always trust freshmen out in the passing game, because especially if you go on, you know, a first or second down play action deep ball, you need someone in there that's going to protect your quarterback. Yeah, no, I, I I do think that's that's a concern here is. Because, I mean, right now, Curtis, I mean, Dejan is, is a good soft player. We know we can trust this guy. We know he can do – he can carry the football. He can catch the football a little bit. He, we, we can trust him in pass pro, though he's not a big guy. But all the other guys, that is a major question. It's not just about running the football from that position. You have got to be able to block and protect the quarterback. And we're trust we're going we're gonna to have to rely on two guys that have never played a college snap in their life, in Roger Robinson and Andrew Paul. Like, I don't, I don't know how many carries you're going to get, but they're going – they're both going to play. They're both going to play a lot, especially if Kendall Milton is still out with an injury. Again, we'll talk about him in a minute. Who knows when he's going to come back or how long he'll stay healthy when he does come back. But having two guys that have never taken a single college snap back there, protecting Carson Beck, who is, I think, far more mobile than people give him credit for. He's a far better athlete than people want to give him credit for. I laid that out in the video I put out yesterday, which you all should watch, by the way, Glory GA YouTube channel. A little shameless plug there. He's a, such a better athlete than people give the guy credit for. He's not Stetson Bennett. He's not like an Anthony, Anthony Richardson kind of guy. Like we're not going to do a ton of QB run stuff with him, not design QB run stuff. But he's a, he's an athletic guy. But still, he doesn't have the escapability that Stetson Bennett has. So it takes on even more importance in a year like this when you have Carson Beck back there. You've got to have guys that can protect him. And I think that's a big question with some of these young guys. Even Cash Jones, like we don't know. And Cash is a small guy. We don't know. Uh, but Kendall Milton, Curtis, we, we got to talk about him. Kendall Milton. I mean, I don't even know what to ask you, man. Like, is this guy ever going to be the guy that we were always hoping he would be? You know, at the end of the season, I thought he was starting to really become that. He and looked it's great. Just, he did. He looked he great. Did. It's just so unfortunate because it's fine. You know, he like we're saying, he looked great to end the season. It's finally his time, and then it just happens again. Um, yeah. And I don't want people to think that, like, I'm ragging on Kendall. I am. No, I mean, I, I know it's really just, it's just dumb stretches luck. and all that. Like, soft tissue injuries are just tough because they can flare up at any moment, no matter really what you do. It just sucks, man. I hate, yeah. I hate it for him. Highly rated guy coming out of high school, big leader on the team, does a great job. I mean, and you're right, looks, looks really good to end the season, leading, giving us some high expectations to what he could be this season for us. And then the, in, the hamstring pops up again in the spring. You're like, oh my God. But you're okay. All right. It's the spring. We're fine. And he starts fall camp. All good, right? Very quickly, there it is again. And now it's just like I, I don't know. It's just disheartening for him, really. I mean, for every for all, the entire situation, is disheartening. But I hate it for the kid. Not his fault. It just is what it is. But I mean, I, I have to ask you: can can you count on Kendall Milton right now to be a major contributor running back for us? No, you can't count on can't him. Count and I think that's the most frustrating part. It's just like kind of if he's ready to go, good. But you, 
you're not counting on him week in, week out to carry the brunt of those carries. And I think that's what stink or you know is so unfortunate about is because like he's the type running back very similar to Derrick Henry. You know, they probably do lather him up. Yeah, lather him up, let him get more carries, you know, that he's gonna wear him down. But he hasn't shown the ability to be that running back. Because of the injuries, he's just never done it consistently, and it's again not his fault. It's just facts. It's it's reality. He's just never been able to consistently be that guy and stay healthy. He's shown signs when he has been healthy, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy for really more than a few weeks at a time. Like I mean, legitimately, Gersh, not more than a few a few weeks at a time at any point in his career, and that's concerning. So it's hard to count that. It's it's nice to think you know in the back of your mind, hey, if Kendall can stay healthy, but we all know that if is maybe the most massive if of all time when it comes to like. It, running back injuries it's just yeah. it sucks it is what it is but maybe since, man I, I'm, since I'm the hopeful. Bamba game his freshman year he has it, that's kind of been the the tipping point of the start of the injuries yeah I'm hopeful I just again I, I don't think you can I mean I'm hopeful you just can't I don't know anyone other than maybe his family really which is like of course you're gonna be in his corner but I don't know anyone who can sit here and say with 100% sincerity that they can count on him to be our guy yeah, and if, if his dad listens to this episode, he might hire a hitman and take us out, Curtis. To be honest. I mean, that's the thing, though. None of like I have not one bad thing to say about it because it's, it, yeah. it's really just dumb. He jumped all over me on social media one time for even like min- even mentioning the injury, like not even in a negative way, just saying like matter of factly, yeah, he's injured again. And it's like jumped all over me. I'm like, all right, I'm not getting into this, but like, okay. I, I mean, I get it. It's your son. You love him, but also like, you know. He's he's a big boy, you know. Yeah. You if you take on the scholarship and you're making all this money for the NIL, it kind of comes to the territory, right? Unfortunately. All right. Last thing on running back scripts before we move on here, I've had a couple people reach out and ask me. All right. So we have all these running backs injured. Depth looks a little iffy right now. Does that impact what we do offensively this year? And if so, how does it impact what we do offensively? It may. Um, I think it. The problem is, you know. We still don't have a great running or, you know, a defined person to be the running back out of the backfield to really even go to a passing game where you're doing more. I think it's Cash Jones, because I really do. And he's not, I mean, he's I not would, Kenny McIntosh, but I think he's the guy. I'd be okay with that. I mean, I would be okay with going more towards a little bit of a – I mean, he's – when I say the guy, the guy in third down situations. Yeah, I mean, we're still going to be a bruising t- team, especially in the second half. But, I mean, I was hoping that this wouldn't change everything too much because, I mean – I think that we need to be a more open offense because it does. It, all we ever do is hurt ourselves because we get up big on these teams. I know Kirby and them are like, you know, we're just going to run the clock out and stuff. But all we ever do is hurt ourselves because then our stats are more skewed towards the run and less pass and use the incessant negative recruiting. And yeah, we say want, we're going to change it. Five star receivers start running the score up late in game. Yeah, do just run the score up. I'm sorry, but if beat beat a team by 100, I'm sorry, beat hey, do it. All these like, coaches are getting paid millions of dollars. These players are getting play, paid in IL. Like sorry, yeah. Do it. Like I would I actually hope it doesn't change much cuz I would love for our philosophy to beat is to beat teams by 80 to keep throwing on them like people like and I, man, yeah, I have no problem with that Curtis. I mean, you're out there trying with even if you're up and I, you know, I know you say, "Well, if you have your starters in there, somebody's in game." I'm not saying keep the stars in all game long, but no. keep them in longer than like a half. Yeah, or also, backups, even if your backups let, in, throw the football. Run the whole offense. Don't have them just yeah. hand the ball off. I mean, those are wasted reps ex- for the most part. I think we did a better job of that last year when Carson got opportunities. But we got, you know, the last couple drives of the game, we were just hand the ball off. Like, we were just running yeah. it out. 
we gave we would give Carson a couple series to throw the ball, and then it's like, all right, we've had our fun. Let's just, you know, not embarrass this team. And I respect. I know that's an old school mentality. I do respect that you don't want to show anybody up. I understand that, but it's about winning, and not just winning right now. You're right, Chris. It's about the future. Like you got to like college football is about recruiting, and to recruit some of these guys to counteract some of these negative recruiting things that go on against us, you've got to show people things. I mean, Chris, we still had one single 1,000 yard receiver in our program's history. How many years in a row has Ohio State had multiple thousand-yard receivers in so one many, season? Yeah. I mean, it's like those things have to change. It has to change. And I know that we don't go tempo. Honestly, I would like to see us go more up tempo. I'm not saying like Tennessee up tempo kind of stuff because I know that hurts your defense. I understand we play complimentary football. I do. I trust me. I get that. But the fact that we go at a relatively slow pace, it just reduces the number of plays that we run. I know it reduces the number of plays our defense has to play. I understand why we do it. Trust me, I do. But it also restricts our receivers to putting up those numbers, which just feeds more into all the negative recruiting. So I think there's maybe a happy medium we can find there. I'm not saying like up tempo all the time, but maybe work it in a little bit more so we just get more plays and get some guys some numbers. And I know you're going to say, oh, why do you need a stat pad? You need a stat pad because you need to recruit elite guys. I mean, that's what it comes down to. The reason we're yeah. not getting like Ryan Wingo and Jeremiah Smith, the reason we're not getting these guys and Mike Matthews from freaking Parkview High School, I know we can't get anybody from Gwinnett County ever, but the reason these guys are going elsewhere, where are they going? They're going to Ohio State. They're going to Tennessee where they routinely put up 1,000-yard receivers in those offenses. So that's why I say because I know it's like, well, you would be old school and so, say, you know, it's not about stat pads, it's about winning. Okay, Yeah, you know what? It's also about winning games in the future. And how do you win games in the future? You get other elite players. So I, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying there. But, yeah, you're right. All right. Have we hammered the running back thing, Curtis? I think so. All right, real quick here. I'm going to say my last word on this. I don't think it's going to change your offense that much. I think that our identity is what it is. Our identity is what Kirby wants our identity to be, no matter who's back there. I know he's not calling the plays and doesn't really necessarily dictate to the offense coordinator, but I think he sets the standard like, hey, this is the kind of style of play I want us to have. We are going to continue to run the football because our offensive system is built on running the football and hitting play action vertical shots off of that. Like that's what our offense is. And I don't think that you change that wholesale within a couple of weeks before the season. Now, does it mean that we run the, we throw the ball maybe a little bit more? Maybe, but I mean, Curtis, we threw the ball. I mean, we threw, we were 53% run last year. I mean, as I've told people many times that we ran the ball, Less than Tennessee did last year. So we were close to as close to 50-50 as we have been in a long time. I could foresee it being something similar this year, maybe like 52, 53% run. But I don't think we're all of a sudden going to go like 60% pass, right? No, I don't either. Our offense is just – that's just not what our offense is. So, all right, that's it on running backs. All right, guys, this running back talk has just been an appetizer. We still have our full Georgia football 2023 season preview ahead for you guys today. But before we get there, I do quickly want to remind you guys once again about our friends at MyBookie. Football season is two days away, guys, and that means winning season is right around the corner at MyBookie. College football is back. NFL's just around the corner. We're going to have Major League Baseball playoffs here in a month or so. So a lot of stuff going on, and there's no better time to jump in on the action in MyBookie than right now. They also, as I've been telling you guys, have a brand new cash-out system. So if you're one of those guys like me that is partial to laying down a parlay or two each weekend, now you don't have to worry about sweating things out late in the night. If you hit the first couple legs, go ahead, cash out early, use those funds on another bet, or just cash it out into your wallet, or maybe even let it ride for a chance at a bigger payday. So use that cash out tool to stay in control of all the action at MyBookie. It's really simple, guys. To get started, just go to MyBookie.ag. 
And if you sign up for a new account and use our promo code UGA, you will get a 50% bonus on that first deposit up to $1,000. Again, that's promo code UGA to claim your 50% deposit bonus. And for a limited time, you also get a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. So don't wait any longer, guys. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. Tough blow at running back, but it's time now to dive into our official 2023 Georgia football season preview Hey guys, look, we've covered this team from every angle all offseason. It's not like we haven't talked about these things. We have, but it's now time to put it all together in one spot for you to give you our comprehensive thoughts on this year's team. And Kurt, we're going to start with the offense. You know, this time last year, I was telling everyone who would listen that the 2022 Georgia offense was going to be the best offense in program history. I screamed it from the mountaintops, man. And well, with the greatest humility I can possibly muster, I got to say, nailed it. But this year, Curtis, we lose Todd Munkin. We lose Stetson Bennett, I think the best quarterback in Georgia history. Broderick Jones, first-round left tackle. A.D. Mitchell going to Texas. I know he was hurt all last year, but he was our most talented receiver. Lose Kenny McIntosh. So let's fast forward a year, Curtis. This time next year, when we're sitting here doing this for the 2024 team, how will we be talking about the 2023 Georgia offense? I actually think it may be one of the most – we'll be talking about it as the most explosive, especially in the passing game that we've seen in a long time. Um, and it's I don't not think we're crazy. Be, and it's, but here's the kicker. I don't think it's only going to be just deep passes, you know, bombs. Okay. Um, I think that's going to be the we interesting some thing. yak potential. I think, yeah, I think we have a lot of yak potential. I think that's going to be the difference. We have the home run hitters. I mean, Lag can go deep. I even think Lovett can go deep. We know Arian can go deep. But I also think people like Ladd and Dominic – are uh, going to be a big, big play guys of what they can do after once they have the ball. Yeah, Lad has shown that. Dom has shown that. I mean, Dom, like the, the slot fade with Dominic Blaylock or, or Dominic Blaylock, Dominic Lovett, I mean, it has me salivating, man. Like, I think that's a lethal play if you have an elite guy in the slot, which uh, I think that we do with Dominic Lovett. So, you're, I mean, I think we're going to take some shots down the field. Our offense is certainly built off of that. But I do think you're going to see maybe some more yaks of run after catch than maybe we have in – Recent years, you know, I mean, Brock has basically been that guy for us, but I think we're going to see more of that. And Lad's done it too. Don't I mean, Lad's, Lad's been dynamic with the ball in his hands, but I think Lovett can certainly bring that element. Uh, Arian Smith is a guy, Kurt, talking about explosiveness. I don't know how much he'll play. He's going to play a good bit. He'll be in the rotation, but if he can stay healthy, another guy, if he can stay healthy, he showed us incredible signs at the end of last year. I mean, that play in the, in the, uh, in the Peach Bowl, I mean, I know the Ohio State fans want to say, oh, yeah, our guy just fell down. No, your guy didn't just fall down. Arian made him fall down because that speed just, basically caused a guy to have a panic attack and he tripped over his own two feet. That's what happened. So that's going to bring another level of explosives in our offense if he can stay healthy. So I'm with you. I think that this offense has a chance to be, I think it has a chance to be more explosive than last year. And our offense, again, was the best offense in Georgia history statistically. And I think you can say just watching it all year. Yeah. I mean, it was one of the two best. I, I, I would say it's the best. I know like points per game, was it 2014 actually slightly edged out, but I mean, we averaged over 500 yards a game, Curtis. I mean, we were, really truly one of the true elite offenses in all of America. We were just, I mean, I don't want to say just as good as the Tennessee offense, but you know, we were, we were certainly right there. We really were, especially from a, a yards per play perspective. We like, we were neck and neck right there. So I, it's, it sounds crazy on one level to say, all right, you're losing this elite offense coordinator, probably the best coordinator we've ever had, at least in terms of the offenses that he's produced. The guy who I think is the best quarterback we've ever had. And that's one of, that's a hell of a one, two punch to lose. You lose a first round left tackle. You lose your starting running back who was dynamic 
as a receiver out of the backfield and had this unique skill set that really no one on this team has, that we that, at least not to that degree. And we used that skill set to great effect last year. You lose all and you lose your top, your best, and most talented receiver in AD Mitchell. I mean, when you hear all these guys you're losing, you're like, well, there's no way that we can be better this year. But I, I think there's a chance. I'm not going to sit here and say it as confidently as I did last year. That was going to be the best offense in Georgia history. Cause I think there's more questions, especially the quarterback position. I felt, I just was very confident in what I had seen from Stetson Bennett in 2021. I know a lot of people were not, I felt very confident in Stetson and uh, man, he just, he actually, he was way better than even I thought he could be. I mean, I didn't know. I, did, I never at one point he said he was gonna be a Heisman trophy finalist last year. So as high as I was on Stetson, I wasn't even that high. So, I mean, you lose guys like that. It's tough to say it's going to be better, but we do have some really, really, really talented pieces coming back. Of course, Brock Bowers. I mean, let's not bury the lead here. How important is he to an offense? Having a guy like that, what does that do for an offense? It just opens up so many more mismatches for everyone else. And I think that's why you see people like Ladd and Dominic really benefit from the extra attention that um, Brock pulls. And the thing is, Brock has gotten extra attention basically from like week four of his freshman season. He's still been as effective as he has been. That's just how good Brock Bowers is. And I also give Todd Munkin credit for you know, finding ways to get him open and get him the football. And I think that we're going to see that can, that can uh, continue with, with Mike Bobo. I know there's a lot of people out there in the Georgia fan base with a lot of questions about Mike Bobo, which we're going to get to here in just a second. But I, I do have a lot of comments. Just a little spoiler alert there, as you guys know. I basically did an entire episode a couple weeks ago talking about that. But uh, let's talk about Carson Beckers. I think this is, I mean, just one, one of the – He's one of the most important players, I think, in all of college football this year. I mean, really, if you think about it, because if he is elite, um, I don't think anyone can beat us. You know, but, but we don't know. So what are your expectations for Carson Beck? Um, I expect Beck to have a big season. I think the thing is, he's just he has a full grasp of the offense, which is something that you cannot just discount how important that is. And I think he's going to be a big leader for us out there. He is a rarity in college football. The fact that he stuck around, not for one year, not for two years, but for three years, Curtis, waiting his turn. That simply does not happen. Guys that were as highly recruited as he was and are playing for high-profile programs the way that he has and, and to have disappointment the way that he has. You know, because this guy, let's not forget, Curtis, going into the 2021 season, Kirby Smart flat out said openly, publicly, that he was our number two quarterback. And then our number one yeah, quarterback and when goes JT down. when JT goes down, you probably – even Carson himself thought, all right, here's my chance. Yeah, I mean, you and I, Curtis, like, well, we just assumed he was gone, right? Yeah. Well, and I mean, and that, I think that's one of the reasons I have so much faith in him. You know, you're talking about him sticking out, and and I appreciate it so much. Um, I, I do too, man. I mean, I don't think people understand, like, every week before we do a show, it feels like, oh, great, you know, like this player. Like, you have to address all these players coming and going. Well, it's nice to be able to address someone for staying, yeah, I mean, it's just become, you know, commonplace now in college football. With, okay, Bear Alexander transferring, whatever. Now it's like, you know what, here's a good story. And I'm not saying well, the guys that transfer. That, I think, you know, I think it rallies your teammates behind you. And I think that's going to be oh, one of the sure. big, biggest things is he has, you know, he's has a lot of reps with a lot of these guys out here. And, I mean, it also helps, that especially in the passing game, this could be the most explosive group of skill players we've had probably ever um, with a quarterback who – Yes, he's a pocket passer. He's more like, but like you said, he's more mobile. But the fact Way is, the guy, the guy is a gunslinger, though, and I think yeah. that he's going to go out there and benefit from from all, you know, from staying around, stay, stay waiting his turn, grasping the offense, and then reaping the benefits of the team we've put together. I think that might be the reason I have the like. There's a lot of reasons why I'm confident in Carson Beck, because you know, again, on the YouTube video I did, I, I did some film study and put out like basically. 
not all of his snaps that he played last year, the past couple of years, but a number of them and showed you the, the arm talent that I thought that he has and what he can bring to the table, things they can do from a talent perspective. But even more than that, Curtis, the experience that he has in this system, let's make no mistake about it. I know Tom Munkin's gone. It's the Georgia system, okay? The verbiage is not changing. The concepts are not changing. The philosophy is not changing. This is what we do. This guy knows his offense inside and out. And I don't want to say it's plug and play. I don't know if our offense is that, but I have a lot more confidence with a, a fourth-year quarterback in our system going there playing than I would a guy, you know, as a as a as a true sophomore like Gunnar Stockton, you know, to be honest with you. And I think Gunnar's really talented, but that gives me a lot of confidence. And Curtis, I'm gonna I'm gonna make an old school, I guess it's old school now. I'm making a comparison here. I'm not saying that he's going to be as good as DJ Shockley was, but don't you see some comparisons here? DJ, highly, highly talented guy, could have transferred. Now back then he had to sit out, but he didn't. He set behind. Uh, he sat behind David Green, a guy that honestly, from a physical standpoint, was far more physically talented than David Green was, right? And I think you'd say, you know, I think Setson's a far more talented player than people can credit for. I mean, this guy's going to start in the NFL in a couple of years. It's just going to happen. People need to prepare themselves for that. But I think it's probably reasonable to say that Carson has more physical tools from like an arm talent standpoint than Stetson does. Maybe not the athleticism, but the arm talent, I think he probably does. I think he can make that argument. And he said, he sat around, bided his time. He's had, you know, like DJ. You know, got some snaps, got some series here and there when he was backing up David Green. And I'm not Carson hasn't got series, but again, coming into 2021, he was publicly announced as the number two guy. And to have the disappointment of having that rain that pulled back from you and to stick it out, and then now you get your turn to be your guy, it remains to be seen if the season he has this year is going to be the equivalent or maybe even better than the season that DJ Shockley had at SEC championship season. Back in 2005, well, that remains to be seen. But do you see the similarities there, though, Curtis? I do. Now that you talk about them, yeah, I do see them. That's just something I've been thinking about lately. It's like, man, this kind of could, could this basically shaping up to be something similar to what we saw with DJ Shockley? You know, maybe one year as a quarterback at Georgia, waited all this time, and then you just make the most of it. I mean, maybe it could be. I mean, we'll have to see how he how he performs. But I think he's got a lot of talent around him to be that kind of guy. And look, here's my expectations for Carson. I think Carson is going to be a fantastic quarterback for us. Is he going to be as good as Stetson Bennett? I don't know if I can say that. Can you, Curtis, at this point? It's going to be hard to. Charlie asked me a question. Is he going to be closer this year to 2020 Stetson Bennett, 2021 Stetson, or 2022 Stetson? What would you say to that? Oh, 2021. Yeah, I think it's probably somewhere between 21 and 22 would be my answer, if that's even a real answer. Uh, I, I guess I would, if I had to lean one or the other, I would lean towards 2021. I mean, Stetson was a Heisman Trophy finalist last year. And I think Carson has the potential to be a guy like that. I, I'm not going to throw, it, throw that, that out the window and say there's no way, there's no chance he can be that kind of guy. He absolutely can be that kind of guy. I just don't know that we should go into the season expecting that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. Um, Yeah, that's why I think 2021 is the best Stetson to, to bet comparison because, you yeah. know, he, he was confident in himself but not like he was in 2022. In 2021, he was still doing good things but hadn't put yeah. it all together. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Last question on Beck here. What do you think the floor is for Carson Beck? Ooh, ooh the floor. Oh, don't even get me started. I saw where some idiot writer, I want to say on three for Florida, said well, he was getting Jeremy nice. Johnson. Oh, for Florida writer? Okay. Yeah, definitely an idiot. Yeah. Said he was getting Jeremy Johnson vibes from Carson Beck. Jeremy and like, Johnson vibes? Dear God. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm trying to think of like a quarterback. I think Hudson Mason is the floor. To me, the floor is Jarrett Stidham year two. Interesting. Okay. 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 If he is if he is Jarrett Stidham, do we win a national title? No. Ooh. 
You think Jarrett Stidham was less than 2021 Stetson Bennett? Like at his height at Auburn? Like in 2017? Well, in, in his second year, yes. His, his, his The first year, he was like 2022 Stetson. Yeah, at 2017 Stidham was good, dude. Yeah, uh, but 2018, he was still solid, but he was just like, he wasn't winning you games. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, But see, I, that's the thing. I don't think Carson has to go out there and win those football games. And then there might no, be a game here there. But, well, he, I think you do when he gets to the playoffs. Yeah, to I think we can win this. I think we can win the East and maybe even SEC championship without him being like an elite elite quarterback now to win national title. I I mean look Stetson was not elite in 21. That's my point though, Curse. Like Stetson was really good in 21. I think better than people give him credit but, for. He was but not in the playoffs. He took it to a whole new level. He was he was yeah. on fire. Like playoff yeah. play playoff steady was someone different. else. Was different. Yeah, yeah, totally different. Um. And that remains me like my big question with Carson is intangibles. Like I, I am I am sold on the physical tools, on the goods. Like he's got the goods and my I've seen enough. I know we haven't seen a ton. I've seen enough though, as I broke down that video. My question is intangibles. Like you just don't know, like in that clutch moment, the big moment, the bright lights, the biggest stages where Stetson thrived, you have we have no way to know what Carson Beck is gonna do in those moments, right? We just have no way. It would be complete and utter conjecture because we have not seen him in those moments. We have no way to know that. We know they won a state title as a junior in high school. That's different, though, man. Like, that's not the same thing. So that's my biggest question because at some point we're going to have those tight games, right? Maybe we'll have that game like we had against Missouri. I hope we don't have one of those games this year. But, you know, championship game, playoffs, whatever, maybe on the road in Knoxville. Like, we're going to have that game. And how Carson responds in that moment, I think that that is the biggest question because we don't know. You just don't know. And Stetson was so big for us in those clutch moments. I mean, just so big for us. So I don't know. Here's the thing with 20, like if he is as good as Stetson, if he's like 2021 Stetson, I think we can still win a title because we did win a title with 2021 Stetson. But what we're going to have to have is our defense get closer to that 2021 version, right? Yeah. If our defense is that good, then he can, we can get away with maybe a Jerry Stidham or a Hudson Mason, at quarterback. And our, I mean, I'm saying that level of play. And, and still win a title. Now, my thing is I actually expect him to be better than that. I do. I do. Um, I could be wrong here. I mean, again, I'm not going to say I expect him to be what Stetson was last year. I'm not going to say Heisman Trophy finalist good. But I think that he is going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. I, I, I am ready to say that for sure. For sure. All right, let's move on here, Curtis, real quick. Uh, we mentioned Mike Bobo. Look, we, we've talked about Mike Bobo plenty this offseason, so I don't want to like spend too much time on this. But real quickly here, Curtis, on a scale of 1 to 10, let's put a bow on this Mike Bobo talk. On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in Mike Bobo taking over my, for Todd Munkin this year? I'm going to say an eight. Okay. I think that's fair. All right. Why um, eight? Because um, I have confidence in Mike Bobo. I don't think Mike Bobo's ever forgotten how to be a guy, be the coordinator everyone thinks of, you know, South Carolina and Auburn, but forgets all the good he did at Georgia, other than, you know, they want to bring up the run the damn ball, Bobo and stuff, which, of course, is easy to do. But they forget yeah, just we're how talking good about 2008, 2009, Mike Bobo. I mean, come yeah, on. but they and they forget how good he actually was uh, for a long time. By the time he I, left, yeah. And I think that you know uh, he, I think he humbled himself. I don't think it, people have not talked about it enough of him humbling himself to take that analyst job, and to actually not reinvent himself but be open to change. Well and um, you know, I don't have inside knowledge, but it really feels like he has taken those this time to really grow as a coach to where Munkin, you know, there was no question. Munkin was like, if I leave, this is who you go with. Yeah. And, and, I, and I don't he was the recommendation like, of Todd Munkin. Yeah. And Todd Munkin is one of these people. He, he didn't have to do that. And I, and I don't think he's also going to blow smoke up someone's ass. Um, Agreed. 
and so I, I think that if he says something like that, he truly means it, and that's why I kind of have – if I, I have I have the utmost confidence in um, Todd Munkin that if he had confidence in Mike Bobo, it's hard not to. Yeah, especially when you work that closely with him. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I, I think eight's fair. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say there's absolutely no question, so I can't go ten. But I think eight – I'm very confident, man, and you said it. Like by the time he left George, now there were some growing pains for sure when he took over the job. Absolutely. He wasn't the same guy when he was 07 when he took over. He wasn't the same guy that he was in 2014 when he left. But, you know, talk about the best offense in Georgia history. I do, I would argue that last year's offense was the best offense in Georgia history. But the one that is closest was the 2014 Georgia offense. And oh, who was the coordinator then? Oh, yeah, Mike Bobo. And who did he do that with? Hudson Mason. He did that with Hudson Mason. So, I mean, Mike Bobo could coach football, guys. I know people want to say, oh, Colorado State, dude, he was, he was the head coach, man. He also had a, you know, back half of his of his tenure there, had a major, major injury. He was not even really on the sideline, could hardly stand up and, and coach practice. Like, it's a different thing. Goes to, goes to South Carolina. Muschamp gets fired during COVID, by the way, and doesn't have an offseason with his team. He becomes the interim head coach right away, about midway through the season. Had a rash of opt-outs. I mean, come on. You cannot hold that against the guy. Auburn, he goes into a situation where he was hired by uh, by Brian Harson, basically to be a, a recruiter for the South. As Harson had no ties to the South. And Harson had his way of doing things, and Bobo had his way of doing things. And they butted heads, and they didn't really have a relationship, a built-in relationship. And uh, it just didn't work out, you know. And he he was he was fine in twenty in twenty twenty one. Just it wasn't a great year. I'll give I'll say that for sure. But there was also a lot of meddling there from the head coach. So I you know you can hold that against me if you want. That's fine. I just personally don't. Now you can say I have an agenda. Well, if you hold that against me, I would, might say you have an agenda. It's fine. Just two different perspectives there. I think Mike Bobo is a hell of an offense coordinator. I think he's proven. That. I think he's shown that. And I think he's going to do a hell of a job. I mean, this offense, the way that Kirby wants it run, is what Mike Bobo traditionally does. And he was here with with Munkin last year, learning from Munkin, helping Munkin also, by the way. Uh, he has that relationship built in with the players, the terminology. It's it's going to be, I think, a fairly seamless transition. I have a lot of confidence in Mike Bobo. So, yeah, I think eight is uh, is fair, Curzon. We'll see. I could be wrong, you know, but um, I feel good, man. I feel good about Mike Bobo and certainly the talent that he has to work with. All right, a couple questions here real quick, Curzon. We'll kind of rapid fire on this. Who is the most important player on this offense? We did our list of the 10 best players in this team a couple about a month or two ago. But I think best and most important are two very different things. So who is the most important player on this Georgia offense? Ooh. You know, I'm going to go Lad. Okay, why Lad? Um, you know, I th- I want to go Brock, but in, it's easy answer. But I think Lad and the versatility he brings in the offense. Um, You know, go back to his freshman year. Oh, he, when, we had, when we had no receivers other than him and A.D. Mitchell, he went out there and had that big game against Auburn. Um, last year when he was struggling, our offense was struggling. When sure. he broke out is when our offense broke out. I'm not saying in it, you know, there were other things, but it, it you can't not notice that. That's a great point, Curtis. I mean, he has been such a key part of our offense past two years. I mean, is Lad an elite talent? I would say probably not. I think Lad's gonna be an NFL guy, though. I really do. I think he's got some NFL qualities. But I, I think it's probably fair to say there are a lot of other more talented receivers in the league. But it's kind of like Dejan. All the guy does is produce, man. He just goes out there. He works his butt off in practice. And he's far more talented than people give him credit for, but he just works hard. And he just and he has to nap. everything. I mean, I remember his freshman year against Vandy. It was a, a run, and then he had that crazy catch in the corner. Um, yeah. He still, he still yeah. does that to this day. It's He can do it in the run game on those toss sweeps, and he can do it in the pass game. So, I mean, his versatility is huge, and I think that – when he's not playing, our offense is not moving. All right, let me ask you. I think Lad's a great answer. So I'm torn between two guys, so I need you to help me out here. Who do you think is more important in this offense this year, Brock Bowers or Carson Beck? 
I go Carson Beck. I think so too. I'm like I don't know, man. Brock is Brock. He's Brock. So good. Like, don't get me wrong. Clearly he's the so, best player on the entire team. Yeah, but right now, if Carson goes down, we are in a little bit of trouble just because the other guys are so green. I think they're they they could be good. I just I have way more questions about them than I do Carson. And like if if Brock goes down, don't don't get me wrong. That is a massive blow. That is a massive blow. But I think that we're more equipped to replace him. With how we've recruited at that position, also we have some really good receivers. We would just go – honestly, we would do more like 11 personnel stuff. And I think we – I'm not saying that we wouldn't miss him. We would miss Brock tremendously. Please hear me when I say that. But I just think that we're better equipped to replace him, you know what I mean, than Carson right now. That's And that's why I go there. I mean even Delp, you know, first guy off the bench is not going to fully replace Brock, but he's going to be able no. to do enough where I can't say that with the others. Yeah, let's not forget Oscar Dutt was a former number one tight end in the country himself, Curtis. Like, this guy is super talented, okay? Like, this guy can play. I know Lucky's dealing with a little bit of an ankle sprain right now. He'll be he'll come back a couple weeks. He'll be fine. Pierce Brown's a really talented guy. Like, you know, we'll, we'll be, we would be okay there. Quarterback, I mean, we, we might be okay at quarterback, but quarterback just takes such an outsized role on your team. It's the most important position on the team, Curtis. It just is on any team. And I know that we're not as quarterback dependent as other teams are, but I mean, it's still the quarterback position, Curtis. And if Carson is as good as I think he can be this year, if he goes, if he went down, like that's tough, man. Like, I, so I, I, I would argue that he's probably more important than Brock, which I know like, I feel icky even saying that. And I could certainly listen to someone who had a different viewpoint. I, I could certainly hear the argument on the other side and not call you crazy. But I think that I, I just think we'd have a harder time replacing Carson than Brock. You know, I mean, it's tough to replace either one. But I, I would probably go Carson there. Uh, what's your biggest question on this offense, Kurt? Ooh, biggest question. I mean, all right, let's all stay away from running back because that's the easiest thing. Yeah, we know that. Yeah, besides um, running back, I'm gonna go left left tackle. Okay, why left tackle? Just uh, guys and experience. You know, we're starting to think it's gonna be Ernest Green, but even then, I mean, even if Ernest starts, I don't know how when that position will truly be settled. Never taken a college snap. Neither guy. Or back, I guess Blasky back has. has. But yeah, Blasky has, but but Green has not. I mean, he yeah, was going to – so, I mean, That's the thing, and we've seen it before. I mean, I remember Owen Condon starting the season yeah, oh God, yeah. pretty quickly. So, I mean, I just that, that he gets the start man. doesn't mean it's settled. Fair. Yeah, very, very true. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one because I think we have two talented options there, but we just really haven't seen much of either of them at that spot. And Ernest Green's a super talented guy. Blasky's been around and is a really good player. But are they ready to be what Broderick Jones was for us? That's a good question. Um, and we had, it's nice to have – it's a luxury to have four returning starters, at least from the playoffs. So that's great. But that left tackle is probably the most important. Maybe center you could argue this year with Cedric Van Pran. That's a big question. Um, what if I just said quarterback? If I don't have that much of a – I mean we just – I don't really have that many questions about Beck. Maybe you could say backups because I think that's going to be the question for a lot yeah. of positions. I don't have a ton of questions, man. But the off- I really don't. I think left tackle is a good one. Running backs is the obvious one. Obviously, there's some questions there. Yeah, but we've, that one was too easy. That. So I want. Yeah, that's actually. too easy. I mean, I guess you could say quarterback because we just don't officially know, you know, because we just haven't seen it in like real time and real meaningful game action from Carson. We've seen it in garbage time, and he's looked awesome, I think, in garbage time, as I detail in the video. But I mean. You just don't know until you know, you know what I mean? Until he gets out yeah, there I mean, in those moments, in those big-time situations, when the lights are bright, uh, in those clutch moments where, again, Stetson was just a baller in those moments. So I don't know. I, I guess I, I don't have a ton of questions about Carson, but I, just, I still think it's a question of sorts. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, last one here before we we'll go to over-unders real quick in just a second. 
Give me a name that no one is really paying attention to right now that you think will make an impact on this team, on this offense. Ooh, a name that's going to make an impact. That's not getting as much love. Like the average Georgia fan might not know. I'm going to go Dylan Bell. I know people oh, know love him. Oh, love it, dude, yes. But I don't think that they're – I don't think people are ready for the impact I actually think he's going to have. I think Dylan has a shot to be our best X receiver. Shoot, that guy could even get reps in the running game right now. I mean, in the fact of like a weapon out of the backfield because yeah, he he has that versatility. Yeah, he's got he's got a running back body for sure. He does. That's why if anyone was gonna you know get back there on third downs, that you could at least somewhat be serviceable. He would be my guy. We also have that guy Lynette Whitehead that we got from Tennessee. Who Ooh, that's a real linebacker. We recruited him as a linebacker once upon a time. He goes to Tennessee. Didn't really make an impact at Tennessee, but we got it. We, we pulled him back over basically as a walk-on, prefer walk-on kind of guy. Um, yeah, that's that a real guy can play a little bit. Kyron Jones, a true freshman who played running back in high school, was recruited as a running back to other schools. We convinced him to play DB in a crunch. I you don't want him to come back and play running back and like stunt his growth as a DB because we're high on him there, but he could. So just throwing that out there too. So guys like that. Yeah, that's a, Dylan Bell's a great one. I, mean, I think Dylan Bell is going to be really good for us this year. I think he's like, yeah, that's, a, that is an, that's probably the correct answer. Honestly, Curtis, I love that one. I'm going to go with a guy. I don't know if like no one's talking about him. I just don't know if he's like a main, he's not a mainstream name yet. So I'll go with him. I'll go with cash Jones. All right. Well, that that's a fair? great one. That's a real, yeah, I'll go one. cash Jones. I think cash is going to be, I think he's going to be a big part of this offense to be honest with you, Curtis. And when I say big part, I mean, like I could see him getting five to 10 carries a game, especially with the injuries, depending on how that shakes out. And he's, I truly believe that he is going to be the guy that we use out of the backfield more than not, more often than not as the, as the Kenny McIntosh receiving threat. Um, is he going to be Kenny? No, uh, he's not that, but I think he's the one most equipped to be closest to Kenny. And that was a, let's not forget guys. That was a massive part of our offense last year. I don't know if, I think people know Kenny was involved in the, in the past game last year. I don't know if people realize that Kenny McIntosh had over 500 yards receiving 43 catches last year. That's crazy from the running back position. I'm not saying that that we're going to see that from Cash Jones, but I think he's going to be the guy that kind of fills that role. I think he's the closest to that. So, yeah. All right, Kurt, last couple of things here on offense. We'll go to the defense in just a second. Rapid fire here, man. Over-unders. Okay, over-under 442.9 yards per game, which was the total that we averaged in 2021. Over. Over. I agree. I didn't use last year's. We were over 500 yards. I think that was the best George offense that we've ever seen. So I don't know if it's fair to compare it to that. So I think probably a little, I, I would agree over that, but probably under 500. Is that fair? Yeah. I, I mean, it's not crazy. We, we could go over 500 again. I just don't know if I would expect that. Um, Over under 38.6 points per game, which again was what we did in 2021. I'm going over. I just don't see enough on the schedule. I do think the schedule is conducive to going over. Agreed. Uh, all right. Brock had 942 yards receiving last year, Curtis. Over, under 942 for Brock Bowers. Under. Under? Yeah. You think guys are going to eat into his touches? I think people like love it are going to eat into it, yeah. So we once again go another year without a 1,000-yard receiver. Well, I'm not saying we won't have oh. one. I'm going over for Brock. I think Brock gets 1,000. See, I, I could see it. I just think it's – I actually have some faith in Ladd and love it. It's one of those two to be our first 1,000-yard actual receiver in a long, I guess, second. I think, I think somebody goes over 1,000 this year. I do. I think I, – yeah. I would say I would put my money on Brock, but it's not crazy to say one of the other two for sure. I can, I can yeah. go with you there. Uh, all right, last year Stetson Bennett became the only quarterback in Georgia history to go for over 4,000 yards passing in a single season. So, Curtis, over under 4,000 yards for Carson Beck. Over. Ooh, Whoa. So you do think he'd be – I mean, if he goes over, it's closer to 2022 Stetson, is it not? 
Well, it is, I, but there's a difference in swagger and belief, which I think is – In those moments. Yeah. In the big time. Also, our schedule's you know, lighter this year. We that were that. lighter, and I think that now with the running back concerns and all the weapons we have in receiver, it's like, okay, well, are we going to be stupid and run into a wall with that? And, or are we going to use the weapons that we have and just say sorry to everyone else because they're not good enough to stop us? You know what, Curtis? You convinced me. What the hell? Over. Let's go with it. All right, last year, well, I mean, last— it, it also is—that's that, Beck's money. I mean, with Stetson, he could run still. Or, I mean, he, not still. He, he, he could run a little bit more where Beck's going to be more trying to throw the ball. For sure. Absolutely. Yes. That, yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Uh, all right, last year, Lad McConkey was our leading receiver, not overall receiver. We're talking about actual wide receivers with 762 yards receiving. So over under 762 yards receiving for our top wide receiver this year, Curtis. I'm going over. I agree. Who do you think it's going to be? I, 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 actually, I think it's going to be Lad. He just – he can do so many things that it's – I mean, think about it. He did that with how many drops? I mean, the guy probably dropped another 100. I mean, he had yards. a stretch of games. I would say four or five. There's a stretch of games where he had a tough go. But he got – But he got I'm saying with, with those – with that stretch, he probably had another 150, 200 yards that he dropped. True. That's that, that's actually a good point. I don't think you're crazy to say, Lad, I'm going to go with Dom. I think he brings yeah. a level of explosiveness that Lad, – Lad is really explosive. I don't know if he's – I don't think he's that level explosive. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Dom, but Lad's probably a really. That's a really good answer too. All right, last one offense before we flip it over. Last year, Kenny McIntosh led us in rushing with 829 yards rushing. So over under 829 yards rushing for our top rusher this year. Under. I think that was easy, right? Yeah. I mean, I just don't know who that guy's gonna be. I think I think Kirby's right. It's gonna be running back by committee. I think maybe six to seven hundred for our leading rusher, right? Unless one guy just completely takes over the universe and that's possible i just i don't expect it going this season yeah i i would say 600 is around where i'd sit yeah all right curtis a year after the 2021 georgia defense made its case as one of the all-time great college football defenses the 2022 defense was elite i think it's fair to say we were still elite but as we've said many times, the season also maybe not dominant like we saw in 2021. I don't think dominant would be the word to describe what we saw last year. Elite, sure. Dominant, probably not. So let's fast forward again, just like we do with the offense first. Fast forward to a year from now. How are we going to be talking about this Georgia defense one year from now? Same stuff, new day. Um, trying to keep it PG. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In terms of like similar to what we saw last year? Just – about what everyone expects in a Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp, Glenn Schumann defense. You know, lots of speed, really strong at the point of attack, and havoc. Well, I think we need to up the havoc rate. Last year, we, we well, were really good we at 21. We weren't, we weren't that players to do it. I, I think that we're going to have to be creative, but I sure. think we have the players to just harass people. Okay, fair. All right, all right. I can respect that. So, all right, let's look at 2021 versus 2022. Where do you think we fall in that spectrum this year? Uh, more towards 2021. I would agree. I think we're going to take a step back closer to that. I don't think that we're going to be good as good as 2021 because that was again, an all time defense. I don't know if I see yeah. that this year, because I just don't know that we have the game changers that we had on the defensive line. And we have some really good players on the defensive line, but we don't have, you know, we don't have Jordan Davis. We don't have Jalen Carter. We don't have Devontae Wiley. We don't have, we don't have those guys right now. Has a really good players, just not those guys. So I don't know if we're going to be that dominant because that was a big part of what made us so good. 
I think we're going to be really good linebacker. Uh, I, I actually like, I really like what we have in the secondary. I think we have better pass rush options off the edge. I honestly do. They're young and experienced, but I think we have more options there. So that could give us a little bit of a boost. But I, I would lean closer to 2021, uh, but certainly not go all the way there. What do you think is going to be the difference this year? Why will we be better this year than we were last year? I think last year we had a lot of question marks. I mean, outside Jalen Carter, you didn't know who or what was going to be on the defensive line. Um, Can you say the same thing this year? We have some question marks there? I mean, yeah, but we have a lot more of guys who have done it. Stackhouse, Warren Brinson. I mean, we've got more guys that have done it. And then you also think of you you were breaking in not just one, but both inside linebackers were going to be new last year. That's true. I also think that our our two deep and inside linebackers will be far superior to what it was last year. Yeah. Um, I mean, no offense to Tresden Marshall. It just feels like we've got a lot more proven ability all across the field. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I mean, I know people say, well, you're losing Keely Ringo. Um, Yeah, I, I understand. I think we'll be yeah, okay. Yeah, but as we all have said, yeah. or maybe you and I have said, is he we'll was be actually, okay. yeah, he, he was We're, we're, we're going to be just fine there. Who do you expect yeah. to be that corner? Is it going to, it looks like it's going to be Julian Humphrey, Julio Humphrey. Are you, yeah, are you, that one has thrown me for a loop. I was not expecting him. I mean, I'm really glad for him. Don't get me wrong. Um. Yeah, I was wrong there. I thought it was going to be Dalen Everett. That's what I was saying all along. It's just based off what he did last year as the top guy off the bench. But you got to give Humphrey credit. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy for him. That's not a negative. And I will say, like, do you think this battle is completely – I mean, it looks like Humphrey's going to be the guy that opened the season. But could you see a little bit of a rotation in these first couple games? Oh, yeah, I could. For sure. I don't I don't think that, you know, it's completely done and set. And so like, let's not forget, Curtis, let's go back to 2016. Do you remember who started at cornerback in 2016 for Kirby Smart? I uh, do not. It was not it was not. DeAndre oh, yeah, Baker. it was Juwan Briscoe. Juwan Briscoe. How long did that last? Uh, Like three games. Yeah, he got torched against Missouri. And uh, basically Kirby's like, all right, DeAndre, you're up, bro. And then uh, the rest is history, right? So, I mean, look, I'm not saying it's going to happen to Humphrey. Humphrey's a really, really good place, better than Joan Briscoe was. But it's not unprecedented for us, you know, for a guy to win the job in fall camp and then lose the job because other guys are getting opportunities. You know what I mean? So I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. But Humphrey, I mean, I've always heard, you know, I, I liked him coming out of high school. And I always, I've always heard behind the scenes that he's a really, really, really good cover guy. And probably the best, like, in terms of, like, pure athlete cover skills, the best that we have out there, you know, him and Kamari Lasseter, at least in the competition – um, but he was just a little not as not as willing of a, of a tackler in our in our defense. You have to be. You have to be physical. And also with how offenses are structured now, with all these little you know, these bubble screens that people throw, these little RPOs they throw, you got to be able to fight off blocks. And that's what he had to work on. But apparently he's made the strides there. And I think that's where Ever kind of had the edge. He's a bigger, more physical guy. But Humphrey's made some strides there, so good for him. So I mean, whoever is that has that job, Chris. I know they're gonna be really experienced, but I mean, are they really gonna take that much of a step back from what we saw from Keeley, especially at the end of last year? I don't think so. I don't either. I really don't. So I, I, I agree with you, Chris. I think we had a lot of we had a lot of youth last year, if you really think about it. I mean, I know we had Jalen Carter and you know whatnot, but I mean Chaz Chandler's played half the year as 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 a guy who's taking like significant snaps at Jack linebacker and never really played much at all for us. Kamari Laster was a first year starter, two first year starters at inside linebacker. You had a few freshmen starting 14 games at safety. Javon Bullard had, you know, played he played a lot for us, but had never been that that guy at star. Uh, you have Michael Williams playing some serious snaps, especially early in the season. I know Jamel Walther took over the starting job at the five tech later in the season, but Michael still played a lot for us. So there are there were a lot of young guys, Curtis, in this in this two deep last year, and those guys are all a year better, a year more experienced. And I expect all of them to take a pretty solid step forward this year. I also like some of the guys that we have backing them up. I mean, losing Jalen Carter is an it's a blow, right? Yeah, no. I mean, we can't gloss it. over that, but. 
I feel like I've said many times, I feel like the guys that we have there, we don't have one guy that's going to be Jalen Carr this year. I like, you know, you mentioned Warren Brinson, Nas Stackhouse, Christian Miller, Zion Logue. I think the, the freshman going to have to play. Jordan Hall is going to have to play. John, uh, Jefferson's going to have to play this year. Um, he's not a freshman. He's hadn't played a ton for us. I think Jamal Jarrett might play some for us this year. I also think, Curtis, one reason I'm also really excited about this defense, I, as I mentioned earlier, I think we have better pass rush options, like in terms of natural pass rushers off the edge than we have in some time under Kirby Smart. So I think that could be a big benefit for this offense and allow us to maybe stay a little bit more structurally sound against the pass at times, not to be like super creative and bring extra guys. So I think that could certainly help. So yeah, I think all in all, I do expect our defense to be better than last year, but maybe just a, a step off from what we were in 2021. All right, let's go to the same questions that I asked you for the offense, Curse. Who do you think is the most important player on this Georgia defense? I don't know if there's an obvious answer, so I'm curious who you come up with. Um, I'm going to go, I, I, I'm not sure which of the two it is, but so I'm just going to say the safety that the, the, the lead safety to me, because Mal, I, I would say Starks probably Starks then, because that's going to be the biggest, um, you know, we've had Chris Smith back there for the last two years and now he's gone and we need, you know, someone who's not going to give up the big plays. Yeah, agreed. Um, and we gave up far too many explosive pass plays last year, especially yeah. late in the season against LSU, Ohio State. Far too many. Far too many. I, I know we, we, that's kind of why I'm like, we've got to be aware. Yeah, I, I agree with that. How do you feel about Javon back there? I know we talked about it a little bit, but are you confident? I'm nervous. In that like I said, I'm nervous just because I think pass defense is his weakest spot. Well, he was so good at Star Force last year. That's what, that's what makes me nervous. It's like taking him away from that spot where he was so yeah, good. Yeah, because he us. was just so good. Yeah, and it's like, man, like I get what I, I think he's more of a natural fit, honestly, at, at safety. I mean, Curtis, let's not, he was a safety in high school. Like the guy didn't play nickel in high school. That's what That's we recruited true. him as. And like he, he gets on campus, like, oh, you know, we, we think you, you're physical. You know, we think you can fit against the run, so we're going to put you at star. And he played really well there. So when you move him in that spot where he excelled, you know, there's there's always going to be some sort of question there. But I think he's going to be a really good safety for us. I don't know how long do you think Tyke Smith holds onto that job at star? I wouldn't see something happening until like. Like Janelle's Around. big, Janelle Aguero is the guy that I think would push him. He's banged up right Florida. now. Yeah, and I'm not saying that it's a done deal that Janelle Aguero is going to take over. I, him being banged up right now hurts a little bit. I, if he's right, because I think I if he's healthy, I think he's going to get a lot of snaps in week one, in week two. And if he plays really well, then he's going to, it's kind of like, remember Malachi Starks last year, Curtis? You know, yeah. got some snaps and played really well in week one against Oregon. What happens? Um, He just takes the job from Dan, from Dan Jackson, right? I'm not saying it's going to be like that because I don't, I don't, I think Tyke Smith's a little bit better than what we, you know, Dan, Dan's a good player, but Tyke Smith's a probably a better overall athlete. But I, I could see a situation where at some point Kirby just sees enough. He's like, all right, man, like it's Janelle, like it's time to make this move. You know, I think that could happen, but I don't know when that'll happen. Maybe it won't happen, but I think Janelle's just, a, just a vastly superior overall athlete. If he can just learn the system and get the coach's trust, but getting banged up certainly doesn't help. Um, what about Nas Stackhouse? I think that'd be my answer. Um, that's a good one. Just because I don't think we really have a true – outside of him, I don't think we have another guy that's a true zero-tech nose guard. You know, that's a big that's a big position in our defense. And he's not Jordan Davis, but he was so good for us last year. I think the most underrated player on the team last year. And we have some guys that could function in that spot. I mean, some guys that have played there at times in spots, but we don't really have anyone right now. I mean, maybe Jamal Jarrett long-term could play that. But I, I don't know if we have another guy that's ready to do what he does for us at that position. So to me – I think not Stackhouse, just considering the importance of that position and the fact that we don't really have another guy that really can do what he does for us, at least right now, I would probably say not Stackhouse for me. 
especially in the absence of a guy like Jalen Carter. So that's where I would go with that one. All right, what's your biggest question on this defense? Ooh, um, outside linebacker. Pass Who's rush, yeah. Be the guy? Pass rush, for sure. Who do you think it's going to be? Damon Wilson seems to be really doing some work. You going to bypass Marvin? Marvin Jones Jr.? You just don't know with him. I don't think it's crazy to say maybe at some point in the season. I think Marvin and, and Chaz are going to be the two guys to really start the season, maybe Darius Smith a little bit. But those young guys are going to get chances, especially when you play, you know, UT Martin and Ball State weeks one and two. That is true. We'll, we'll see how we see how they respond there. Uh, my biggest question, yeah, pass rush. I agree with you there. Uh, all right, breakout name. I think this is tougher because I think a lot of these spots are pretty established at this point. But who might be a name that the average Georgia fan isn't really talking about right now that could uh, have an impact on this team, on this defense? AJ Harris. Oh, okay. So, in what capacity? Like the, the third down dime package, or I rotation? could see it. I mean, he's he's been pushing. Oh, he's he might be the most talented overall corner that we've got. Like, there's a world where that's that's the case. I could see it. I could see him coming in a third down package. I don't know who, who do you take off the field. Like, who do you have him play ahead of? Could um, you usually bring a safety on the field? Like last year was it was Dan and then it was David Daniel. Actually, Dan, Dan, Dirty Dan may be the best one to guess. Yeah, I don't think many people are talking about him right now. No, they're not. Because they he, was, I mean, he's been MIA for a while, you know. Yeah, right. So that's a good answer. But I think he's someone that could actually come in and make a big impact. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, he's so experienced. Again, another guy is just an underrated athlete. Just, like, people, you know, they say walk on. It's like, well, come on. Like he's not, he's not your average walk on. Uh, my guy is Christian Miller, Curtis, at the defensive tackle spot. I think this guy is going to be really good for us. I, I, he didn't play really at all last year. I mean, he last year, wasn't ready, but I think I was super high on him coming out of high school. I think he's extraordinarily quick. I've, I've mentioned it several times this offseason. I think he's like a carbon copy of Tyler of Tyler Clark. I think he's got great first step quickness. Is an awesome athlete that spot. Not the biggest guy, but big enough. And I think that he's going to give us some uh, disruption on the interior of the defense line in a way that maybe some other guys can't. I think him and Warren Brinson had the, had the potential to be the two most disruptive players on our defense, uh, our, on our defensive line, and I, I think he's absolutely going to play for us. So I'm going to go Christian Miller. Uh, all right, let's do the over-unders real quick here for the defense, Curtis. All right, last year we gave up 14.3 points per game, which was a little bit of a step back from 2021. So over-under 14.3 points per game allowed. I'll go over. Over. Really? Well, I mean under, actually. Sorry. I mean uh- – we're gonna allow less than that. I know we've been going we're gonna be going for a long time. I know it's yeah, that brand. one that one that one sounded odd, but yes, under is what I meant. Under, under, yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. All right. Uh we gave up 296 yards per game last year, Curtis. So over under 296 a game. I'm gonna go under. I think that we're gonna make a more uh, go you know, make an emphasis this year because we yeah. talked about it. I we weren't happy with some of the uh um passing issues. Yeah, yeah, the big plays. Again, let's go back to the schedule. Schedule's lighter. I mean, yeah. it just is what it is. Uh, all right. Now, this is – speaking of the passing game, Curtis, this is where we struggled last year. This is where we were not elite. We were elite basically everywhere else but our past evens. We gave 220 yards passing per game last year, Curtis. So over under 220 a game through the air. Uh, it's, you got to go under. It better be under or I'm, I'm not going to be a happy person. Nobody cares if I'm happy or not, but I'm not going to be happy. I'll just say that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go under. It, it's got to be. It's got to be better than that. I think that you're right. I think we're, we are going to attack that this offseason. I think we've addressed it. And uh, again, I know that we're losing Keely Ringo, but again, as we've said many times, I think we're gonna be okay. Uh, you and I both mentioned, Chris. Our biggest question is outside linebacker, just pass rush in general for me. 
Our leading sack man last year, Curtis, Michael Williams, four and a half sacks total last year. So over under four and a half sacks for our leading sack man in 2023. I'm going to go over. It better be over. Um, and I think it's going to be Michael. Are you with me there or are you going somewhere else? I- I'm with you on Michael. How good do you think he can be this year? I think he's in, I think he's in store for a leap this year. I-, I-, I agree also with that. I think he's going to have a big year. I mean, last year he's still learning, you know, and he had he had to improve against the run a little stronger, but he's a, an incredibly hard worker. I do think you know, dealing with some injuries during the offseason maybe set him back a little bit, but I'm very I'm very confident that he's gonna have a big year for us rushing the passer and maybe give us that natural pass rush that we've been looking for. All right, uh, two and a half. We last year we averaged 2.3 sacks per game overall, uh, so over under 2.3 sacks a game this year. Uh, I'm gonna go over. I agree. Um, let's stick with the Havoc right here. We were about middle of the pack in the SEC last year, averaging six tackles for loss per game, over under six TFLs. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go over. I think that we have some guys that can be – I know we don't have Jalen Carter, and that was, he was a big part of that. But, you know, I, I think that we have some guys that can be disruptive. I mentioned Christian Miller. I think Warren Brinson can be that guy. I think he's going to take a big step for us this year as well. I think our linebackers are a year older. I think we are better uh, outside at, at the jack position. I know Nolan was awesome, but, you know, the back half of the year he wasn't there. I think Mike Hell's going to be better for us. I'm going to go slightly over there. And last one, Curtis, 77 rush yards per game over under. Under. Yeah, I think I, 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 think I agree. I mean, who's going to run the ball on us this year, at least in the regular season? That's I don't see that team. At. Yeah, I, I mean, not like significantly under. I, I think I'm going to go under. I think I know losing Jalen Carter hurts, but again, I think our front six in general is going to be really, really strong, especially with the two deep that we have at inside linebacker. All right, man. Well, you think that covers it all? I think so. All right, man. Well, all right, guys. So we're going to hold our actual official predictions for Sunday. We're doing that episode on Sunday. We'll have Curtis, myself, Charlie. We're all three going to be on that. We'll give you our predictions. So we're going to hold that, but we want to give you – a deep dive preview into this Georgia team. Obviously, on the predictions episode on Sunday, we'll give you our Georgia prediction, but we can't spend an hour talking about every single aspect of this team because we have 13 other teams to go through and give you our win-loss predictions for all those teams. But we're going to have a ton of fun with that on Sunday. I'm very excited about that. We don't get all three of us on the same episode very often, usually like once or twice a year. So you're not going to want to miss that. Make sure to tune in Sunday night. I'll have it up sometime between, let's say, 8 and 9 on Sunday night. So be looking ahead to that, guys. We're going to have a blast with that. And again, college football this weekend, Georgia football, nine days away. Let's go. This is what we live for. This is what we wait for all year, guys. And it's just around the corner. But have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you guys in a couple of days. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.